0: Message, which is interesting is that I'm going to speak, you know, speak less and love more. How does, a, how does a minister who would like to talk about that? So that's going to be one of the one of the challenges today. I'm, I'm hoping to speak less and, and love more, but I'm hoping that this message series is to challenge us as followers of Jesus again to live out the message of the gospel in and through our lives to be the message to the world that we live in. Um, I think I shared this joke some years ago, but it's definitely worth repeating now. If you haven't heard it, you'll hopefully like it. Um, If you don't, I apologize with that. Um, There's a lady that was traveling along in her car, and a couple of things happened where somebody pulled out in front of her, and she's screaming and yelling at people, and Giving some uh, gestures that are not so nice um, at people, yelling things that are not so, so nice out the window at people. And finally, this cop comes, kind of, so he pulls her over to the side of the road. He walks up to her window and uh, he said, You know, I need to see your license and registration. And she's doing all of that and she's trying to figure out what she did wrong. He looks and tests and verifies the car. and She said, What I wrong? He said, Well, you didn't really do anything wrong. And he said, Based on the I'm going to church in the Jesus Church. I figured the car was stolen. Think about it a minute. Here we do we just say it or do we live it? Do we just proclaim the message or are we the message? Because this series, it's about, again, challenging us as, as we follow Jesus. And I think about that, what it means to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. And if we're following, that means someone's lead, right? And if we are Christians and we follow Him, that means we are following we're allowing Him to lead. Where we get into trouble is when we move Him off to the side and we begin to lead. We begin to steer the ship. We begin to go our own way. But if we are following Him, He is going to lead us. And He's going to lead us to spread the good news of the Gospel, yes, by what we say, but how we live out our faith. Practically and authentically. And so today is authentic faith. Real. When you see that word authentic, it's the real art. It's beneath all of these outward things that we might say, or the t shirts that we wear, or the bracelet. I bet we got be the message bracelet if you want the dollar out and about, so there's a commercial for you to kind of go. But please don't touch these out with these things on, so I just take it off. No, I don't, don't do it at all, I'm just saying. But authentic authentic following for us because He is leading us and how is He leading us and to proclaim and He modeled it for us. But there's a temptation to turn Christianity into religious words, sermons, or slogans or cliches. And I'm here to say that Christianity is not a sermon or a slogan. It is about relationship with Jesus. We cannot forget that. That Christianity is about a relationship with the Savior. It's not about what we just say. It's about who we are and what we do and how we are Jesus to the world around us. What do they see in us? Living out the relationship with Him, Right? I'm in relationship with and How do I live that out? And it should be in this order. He loves me. And again, if we miss the relational aspect of the gospel, we get very religious and we get somewhat duty-driven. And that's what separates Christianity from all the religions in the world because the other religions are based on works and how well you are doing. We believe that the work has been done. And it's a relationship with the Savior, but we struggle with this because if we get outside of the relationship of love, we will miss the point. But He loves me, and it's understanding He loves me. I love Him, and then I love others. But isn't the temptation for us is to earn His love by I love others, and so I scramble around and I'm trying to just do nice things, and I love others. I'm trying to love Him, and then I hope He loves me. Isn't that the order that we get it in sometimes? To try to earn But it's walking in confidence that He loves me. I can't earn that. I can't do enough good works. He he deeply loves me. And then understanding that it makes me love Him. And then understanding that I want to love and serve others. And so we are to proclaim the good news, but we are to do it more with how we live than what we say. Here's the key verse of this series if you're looking for something just to kind of maybe memorize. Some of you may have already memorized it. Some of our, a of kids may have already memorized this, uh, but this is just a good passage to meditate on over these next few weeks, 1 John 3, 18, um, John, again, he writes a lot about love. He, was, uh, he proclaimed himself as a disciple that Jesus loved. In um, John 15, he talks about that we should abide in the love of God, remain in the love of God. You, you know, it, it, that's the that passage where says he is the vine, we are the branches, and we are to remain in him to stay connected to him. But also, the, 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 the important part is to remain connected to his love. And so in First John, he talks about, and I love First John 4, 7, and 8, you know, beloved, love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And so if you write here in 1 John 3, it gives you, let us not love with words of speech, but with actions and in truth. And that's this convicting message that we are going to walk through over these next few weeks. Should we love with words? Yes, we should. But what he's saying is that been a lot of that, without a lot of the actions and the truth, we should be loving in action and not just words. It's a, bit, it's a very convicting thing. We have lots of words. But it is our actions that prove our message. The old adage that actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap, Right? Are we talking the talk? Or are we walking the walk? Do people see His life live in and through us? And that's why Paul says, you know, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's not I, the Christ, that lives in me. And so that should be, all of us as followers, is to say, Jesus, live in and through me. Now let me stop here by saying that does not mean that you are aiming, you know, it's like well, we, to be a good Christian person, I have to live a perfect life. You no, know, he's even seen in when we gloat and our response to him, because even repentance reveals his work in us. right? Is when I mess up and I don't justify or make excuses, I say, God, forgive me. Or when you have offended someone else that you go to them and you say, I am sorry, forgive me. Those are some of the hardest words to speak in the English language is I'm sorry, I was wrong. In fact, it's shocking sometimes when certain people say that. It's hard for us to admit that, isn't it? Especially with our spouse. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And they're like, come again? Say that a little louder. Like, the Christ he is seen in us when we blow it, when we make a mistake. So it's not about achieving perfection. It's people seeing us run to him. When we blow it, we go to him. And then his life is seen in and through us. And so each week um, at the end, I'm going to issue kind of a practical challenge for the week as we track along here. Um, encouraging you and praying for all of us that we grab hold of this, what it means to, to, to be, be, to be the human message, so, a follower of Jesus, and I leader all of us to say, all right, you know, to be challenged, mm-hmm. here's, here's be very simple challenges to the say, I'm mean, going to implement them, and just to see what happens in and through us in our lives as we go about our days and our weeks ahead. I love the quotes that you have before St. Francis. You probably are familiar with uh, that first one. But he says, Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. Isn't that great? And what he's saying is, you are a sermon. You are a message everywhere you go. For good or for bad. You're proclaiming something all the time. You could be silent and you are proclaiming something by how you live by how you treat others, by how you treat your friends, your spouse, your children. And St. Francis understood that, you know, here's a guy that walked a lot of times in quiet solitude, and so he can proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel, so, and if necessary, use words because they're going to see more of the gospel coming alive and through how you live and by more than what you see. Just reading a Mark Batterson book, and he's an author if you've not heard of him great authors look up some of his stuff sometimes but he said this and he's a pastor he says Christianity isn't about accumulating more knowledge it's about doing something with the knowledge you have and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't study to show ourselves approved a wild verse threw it in there we should study we should be diligent to study the word of God to ask God to of wisdom and knowledge, supernatural wisdom and knowledge. But it's not about accumulating more knowledge. It's about saying, God, what do you, what would you have me do with what you have given me? There's a couple of great quotes there. And I found this to be true, is that people generally don't care what you know. A lot of people are not, you know, like, blown away by our vast knowledge. Like, whoa, please tell me more. I'm sitting here. Talk as much as possible. But they do recognize when we care about them. I don't know of any people who have been debated into the kingdom of God. If you have any story, please share that with me after. I'd love to hear about it. Because I think that that is a That somebody that you with with knowledge that you can somehow debate someone into becoming a Christian into the kingdom of God that they go you know what I think you're right by everything that you said I'm not saying it can't happen but if it does happen here's the thing you didn't do it the Holy Spirit did but when I'm talking about debate when when you just have you know this side versus this side and you're just going at it. Because all you need to do is watch some evening news shows to find out that people, most of the time, are not going to say, you know what, I think you're right and I'm completely wrong about this. Wouldn't you like to see that on on a news show? You know, Crossfire, you know, and then then finally one of them says, you know, I I think you're completely right and I'm completely wrong. I think I'm going to just go ahead and give you my mind and leave now the host would fall the off their seats. So no, they're there to debate that point and they you these talking points and talking points and talking points and neither side goes, I've never seen it happen, especially on news shows that somebody's saying, you are completely right and I'm completely wrong. No, I'm here and I'm going to batter you with all the knowledge that I have and hopefully maybe convince somebody out there. But nobody's been debated into the kingdom. But people are drawn to the kingdom. Again, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost. He convicts, he's drawing people to the gospel, he's people to Christ. And it's not that we won't proclaim things with what we say, but I tell you, when we're living and we're being the message, we don't want to know what's different about it. That's why Peter says, He said, be ready to give the an answer to the hope that's in you. And so he's talking about us proclaiming something, but it, it's interesting because he's ready to give an answer for what the hope, in other words, they see something in you, now they want to know. You're being the message before you are conveying the message. So it's not that we never proclaim on our mouths, but it's going beyond that and we're living it out. Notice that Jesus, he talked about serving, but what did he do? He served, right? He talked about giving your life and, and laying in your life a sacrificial love and he didn't just talk about it. He did it. He modeled it. I love how he's talking about serving and you know the, the upside down kingdom of God that, that it's a, you know, he says you want to be great, and he believes and all of that and then he gives to the most vulnerable time of his life, John thirteen, and he begins to walk to the disciples' feet and he takes on the form of a slave. To not just say it talk about serving, he served. Then he tells them, "Go and do this for each other." In other words, go and serve. Have a have a culture of serving, not just an event of serving. And we do have events of serving, but this is to kind of change the, the way we're wired, to change the DNA, to say that we are we want to be a serving people, not just go to a serving event. Does that make sense? And so Jesus modeled it. He didn't just talk about serving. He served. He didn't talk about, just talk about loving. He loved. He didn't just preach about laying down one's life. He modeled that on the cross. And said, so this is, this is love. This is my demonstration of love for you. Now go and lay down your life for each other. Let's look at Matthew 23 in this kind of confrontation of being the messengers and, and and the speaking words. Jesus said the crowd and to his disciples. And this, this is where Jesus is, is, is going at the Pharisees. They were the religious people of the day. They were the brilliant minds of the day. They, I mean, they were highly revered as you know, the, kind of the, the religious hierarchy of the day but they would have missed the point. And He said to the crowds and to his disciples, He said, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, in other words, the church people. That's what He's saying. The church people. And the, and the Pharisees are the, uh, the official interpreters of the Law of Moses. So practice and obey. Uh, so He said that, that, that they are the official interpreters of the Law of Moses. And so He said they have good information. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. God forbid that it's said about us. Listen to what they're preaching, but don't live like they do. That's what Jesus is saying about the religious people. He said they have good information. Their theology and doctrine as they talk about the law is good, but don't live like they do. is when they don't practice what they teach, they trust people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. That is talking the talk but not walking the walk. Instead of lifting burdens off of people, instead of serving people, they actually are trusting people with religious demands and their knowledge and say, you know, you need to know what we know. You need to be like us. And then they don't lift a finger basically to set themselves higher than everyone else. God forbid that the church become that. But we take the example of Jesus who came as one of us. And then 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16. Paul is writing to Timothy. And here's Timothy as this young pastor. And here's what Paul says to him. Paul is kind of his father. And so he's giving him some fatherly advice here. He says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Timothy was a young man. He was a young pastor. Young people, let that be a pastor. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. But all, this passage is to all of us. means to set an example for the believers in speech, yes, okay, speech. But then what did he say? He meant to speak In conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In other words, yes, proclaim it. But make sure you live it. Timothy, don't just say it. Live it. Don't just proclaim the message. Be the message in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He says, until I come," And he said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture preaching and the teaching. So there again, he said, yes, profess it, proclaim it. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through the costume when the body of elders, laid their hands on you. But be diligent in these matters. Give yourself holy to them so that everyone may see your progress. And then verse 16, he kind of, ends this kind of statement here by saying watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and your doctrine. Doctrine is what you believe, it's what you teach, but your life is how you live it out. In other words, are you a walking, don't be a walking contradiction. Don't just speak it, live it. And then he says something I think that is very weighty. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your peers. You will save. This thing is about salvation of people's souls. And as a people, what we want to do is we want to proclaim as a church and as a people, as followers of Jesus to people that don't know him, we want to persevere in that because it will save them. If we're a walking contradiction, we can actually interfere with God's work in them. If we're proclaiming it one way and then we're not living it, then they say, hey, I live like that. I don't need to go in and be a part of what you're a part of to understand that. And so you can ask actually interfere. Again, this is not living life of perfection. It's when we blow it, they see us running to Christ. Watch your life and your doctrine for I love, again, the example of Jesus. John 1, we're told about the mission of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that the Word, who is Jesus himself, it says he became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. He came. He being God took on flesh, becoming one of us so that we could understand his life's message. Not just to proclaim the good news, but to become the good news. So Jesus again, if we are following and He is leading, what did He do? His mission was to not just sit up in heaven and look down and go, wow, you know, those people really need something. They need a Savior and I think I'll probably be a Savior from up here. No, He came and He became one of us. The greatest missions trip of all time was done by Jesus. Leaving heaven, coming and Taking on human flesh to know us and to become the life message that he and he did come and he did proclaim, but he became the gospel. He became the good news. And that's when, when he left and he gave us the Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit. He said, "Now you guys go and be the good news. Take my example. Don't just proclaim it. Be it." So he who knew no sin became sin. He took on our sin. He took on our shame and our guilt. And he died a criminal death on the cross so that we could have life. So he did walk the law. He lived it out. And that's why you're saying the word, as he's called the word. I love that. It's the word himself is more than a message. It's more than what you read. It's the first thing is Jesus. So, as followers of the Word, Jesus. And we're taking His lead. We have the Spirit in us. But here's the question. Is He leading you? Is He leading you? And so we take more than words to others, but we take the Word, Him, who dwelt among us and now dwells in us. And we be the message, carrying His Word, His life, in our hearts to serve and to love others in actions and in truth not just in words, but in actions and in truth. And that's why the greatest way to earn the right to speak into someone's life is to love them practically and authentically. Relationship. That's why it says, Jesus, hey, the Word was made to us and He made a dwelling among us. Are we among them? Are we among people that need the gospel so desperately? so he relationally connected with the human race are we relationally connected to those who need Christ and so as we today begin this journey together how do we be the message to our world so we're going to look at a couple things this morning number one how do we be the message is know that you have a unique life message you have a unique life message Again, not trying to be cliche, but it is true that God does have a plan for your life. He saw you before the foundation of the world. That's why I love baby dedications and we think it, uh, you know, about this family. But, Sharif, again, more than just a baby that was born, that was conceived by a mother and father, He was on the heart of God from the foundation of the world. And that's what God thinks about. Every single one of you, He saw you, He knew you before the foundation of the earth. Does have a plan for you. There are no mistakes on planet Earth in people. You would not be here if he did not have a plan for your life. And so his plan and his purpose for you were laid out in the foundation for the world were even existed. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. That's why you are not an accident, you're not an afterthought, you're not a mistake. Somebody, somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe your parents didn't plan, and maybe it was a surprise, and maybe it was a, you know, a, a financial strain on them. But you were not an accident. You were not a mistake. Maybe you had broken down relationships in your family. Maybe you were neglected. Maybe you, uh, your parents didn't love you the way you needed to be loved. But that does not mean you were a mistake. You were thought of before the foundation of the world because your Father in heaven created you and had a common purpose for your life. And so we were created to be loved by God and to love Him and to bring glory to Him. We were also created with a unique life message. To give our lives completely to Him and allow Him to live His life through us. And here's the only way that we can find that life mission and that purpose is when we unconditionally surrender our lives to Jesus. Christianity cannot be understood by a 50%, 80% commitment. It's an all-in, I'm giving all I am, unconditionally surrender. Here's my life, God. I don't want to live for my own self. I don't want to be God anymore. I want you to be Lord of my life. That's when we begin to understand our life mission. And Jesus says this. You know, he's asked couple times, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, just love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all along, the long prophecies hang on these two commandments. In other words, it all boils down to this. He says, to simplify it, this is it. Love God with everything and then love other people. But understanding that first, God loves you. He loves you, now love him back and love other people. And he says all the long Prophets, everything that we're teaching, all the kingdom of God can be boiled down to this reality. This is why we were created. And so when we belong to Jesus, he, our, our unique life message, he then redeems our past. All the, maybe the failures, or the hurt, or the brokenness, or the abuse, or all of those things, those labels that Jerry talked about. All of that stuff can be redeemed by Jesus. That He can take the hurt and He can heal the hurt, and then He can make you through Him through His working you a, a healer of hurting people. It's a beautiful thing. And so, your unique life message is that, that nothing is wasted, that you went through something, and now God says, I want to heal that part of your heart. And I want to make that part of your unique life message. Yeah, you struggled with this addiction, and now I'm going to set you free. I'm going to heal your heart, and now I'm going to release you to minister the love of God to other people that are addicted. God says that which the enemy meant to destroy you with, now you're going to advance the kingdom, and other people are going to be touched by your unique message. Or you were abused, and you were broken and the tendency is to get bitter and be unforgiving, but He takes that. He heals that. He helps you to forgive in a place because we, in, in and of ourselves, when we can do something, we can't just in and of ourselves just find it easy to forgive. But by His Spirit, He helps us to forgive others, and then that which the enemy meant for evil, to be, make you bitter and depressed, He heals you, and then you become a healer, and, and through the power of the Spirit, reach people that have been abused and have hurt A unique life message that He redeems upon how He can be the message. Redeems us. His work of grace and mercy in our lives. What He's healed you from. What He's set you free from. What He's forgiven you for. Your hurts, your shame, your sins, your brokenness. And then He makes us wounded healers. Also, your unique life message includes the people that you are around. Your sphere of influence the people that you come in contact with every day. If we believe that God has ordained our lives and He's the author of our lives, He's put us at this place in this time of history around the people that we are around, around our family, around our friends, around the people that we bump into, each and every day, co-workers, friends, people at school. They are a part of your unique life message to love and to pray for and to serve. It's not by accident. So number one, know that you have a unique life message. Number two, listen for His divine whisper. How do we be the message? Listen for His divine whisper. When we belong to Jesus, we want to know what He wants us to do, right? Isn't that a natural thing? God, what, what do you want me to do? And so how do we begin to know? We listen. And here's the thing about God, God usually doesn't shout. He does sometimes. He'll shout through certain things. He'll shout through certain things. But more than not, He regularly listens. Why is that? Glad you asked. Great question. You guys like that segue? Um, God is really ashamed again, if we forget that fact, we miss the boat. God is relational. Jesus is relational. What do you have to do when you hear a whisper? Anyone. Shout it out. You have to get close. Jesus wants to draw us in so He can whisper to us. And He can speak into our hearts, but we have to be close. And that's what he's always wanted Near and close to Sometimes we wanted to shout stuff, but he said, "I want me to be near me." And I, I, I preach that from experience. I've been at times in my life where I've been groaning and asking God, and I, and I shared this sometime back. But we we, we, we went through a, a season in our lives when we were living out east, and I'm telling you, it was the hardest, one of the hardest times spiritually in my life because things were not working out like I thought they would, uh, or you know. I had informed God how they should. Have you ever done that? You you know the plan, right? And you're like, God, could you just listen to me? We'd have this thing straightened out. And God's like, one, well, yeah, slow down there, tiger. Um, and it was a very difficult time. And I'm 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 I was just like, groaning. God, please, please, something. And I would have these times of prayer, and, and, and I was really, and in his, in his, in his presence was very sweet, was closest, very But I missed out on all that. I mean, it was sweet temporarily. Then you know, I would go home after praying, and and the theater would say, "Did God speak anything?" And I'm like, "No." And I would just be mad. And I'm, and while I'm praying, it's just you know a very nearness, and with the love of God, and then I go, "No, these people I'm waiting for him to speak something specific. And you want me to be close to Him. And that was the point. He said, you want me to shout an answer, but I want me to be near me. Because this is a relationship. And so we have to listen, and we have to understand that, relationship, that in a relationship it's not just a model. prayers prayer should never just be us telling God what we need, but it's also listening. And there's an art to listening. Because here's the cool thing. He says this, that he already knows what we have need of before we even ask him to it. So sometimes we pray and we we give God information. You know, God, here's the thing. You probably didn't know this, but don't we approach prayer like that sometimes? I do. And he's like, yeah, I knew that before the foundation of the world, before you were even. Thought of. I already knew this need in your life. I've got it. So it's kind of funny how we put it. To love God to walk in relationship and listen to find divine so whispering. If we train on here, we'll find that he's speaking a lot. He'll speak to little things and not big things. It sometimes feels that he's silent but a lot of times he's just whispering. And we're waiting for this big, loud thing and he's talking in to us tones. We approach God sometimes again that we that he doesn't have the information, and we need to fill him on what's going on. I love this story um, in First Kings, and you have it up here. There was a time in Elijah's life that he needed clarity from God, and he was—he had had a major victory, and now he was feeling depressed. And feeling I mean, he was feeling anxious, and he was saying, even to the point where God just wasn't him killing him. me. I mean, that, he was desperate. He had a very desperate place. And God draws him away and he needed to hear about what God wanted to do. So he was discouraged. And, and then we pick up the story of this in 1 Kings 19. It says, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For so the Lord is about to pass by. And so you know, he thinks great. He's getting ready to yell at me. He's getting ready to shout. He's getting ready to hold up a sign. Neon lights. Here we go. So it goes out there. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and scattered the rocks before the Lord. And you're thinking, God's speaking. You're, here it is. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind. then not that even seem kind of humorous? And God said, you want me to speak to you? And he's looking for something real, like, you know, significant. And God allows you to... By the way, that wasn't, that wasn't me speaking. I allowed it to happen, but that wasn't me. After the wind, there was an earthquake. That would kind of wake you up, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that, fire came a gentle whisper. We're not careful. We get our eyes on the earthquake and the moving and the shaking and the wind and the fire, and we're waiting and waiting. God's not in any effect. He's behind you, God. Ears. Turn around. And whisper. And again, I say that because I'm as guilty as anyway. If you're like me, we love the loud answer. We love the big wow. And God does that sometimes, but it is rare. He uses speaks in that tough tone. We think God is in the big events, the loud manifestation, but most of the time He's standing to the when we are looking for the big things. But sometimes this whisper is found in the smallest of things. We want to do something big for God and God whispers for us to take a small step of obedience. It's a step of obedience. He's the one who does the big thing, right? He's the one that's working. It's the Holy Spirit is working in the human heart. And he's asking us to take a small step of obedience. We can't do anything big. He doesn't ask us to change the world. Jesus is the world changer. But he's asking us to take one small step that we'll be a part of his work on the earth. And we leave the results to him. But to hear a whisper, you have to be intent and to be in tune, Right? That's why we have to be prayerful and watchful and and keep taking those steps of obedience. Sometimes we're looking around, we're like, God, we're looking for that big thing of, you know, that Philippian jailer story where the guy falls down on his knees at, you know, in the Walmart parking lot and he's like, Bruce, what must I do to be saved? And we're like, just like a God speaking. Wow, this is cool. We like that, but that's rare. But it might be that person that this whisper is—that person that I see that seems down, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, God, do you want me to encourage them? Do you want me to give them kind words? Do you want me to serve them in some way?" And it doesn't have to be anything huge. It just has to be intentionally listening, step of obedience. I've shared I, I this story some years ago, too, but there was a book written in the 90s um, by a guy named Steve um, He planted a church in Cincinnati, um, I think late 80s, early 90s. And you know, he was doing all of the church planting, kind of the playbook of church planting. You know, you go, and you, you know, you go to a mall on Sunday, and you can find people that are not at church, and you're handing them on the literature, here's a new church that's starting, and we'd love for you to come. And... They started this endeavor, and you know, and, and after some time, they hardly had anyone in the church, and so their their team is feeling discouraged, and he's just asking God, like, you know, what are we missing here? You know, we're in a large city. It just seems like just by even default, we would have, like, you know, you know, 50 people that would show up. But he said, we're, we're just struggling here. And the Lord spoke in prayer, this gentle whisper, and said, I want you to start serving people. And so, out of that place, they began to practice serving people. He actually ended up writing a book called The Conspiracy of Kindness. Talking about it being intentionally kind in the name of Jesus. And so they came up with just kind of, I mean, very real, very practical ideas. You know, showing up, doing an actual free car loss. You know, you've seen the ones that say free car wash donations accepted. It's not really free. They would do real free car losses. Like, we don't want any money. We're, we're refusing your money. And they would, they would have divine appointments just by doing things like that. And one story that he shares in there is one of the things that they would do, and again, it might sound silly, but this is just a divine idea that, that, that was put in their heart. They would go, sometimes door go, door, they would send out these keys, and they would just keep a box of light bulbs. And they would give light bulbs out to neighborhoods. Walk, knock on the door, they'd have a little note on it that says, Jesus is the light of the world from your friends at such and such church. And they would say, this is a possible gift because who doesn't need light bulbs? That's when they burn out, right? And you're like, oh, I should keep those up, right? And so they just said, here's a practical way. And then they would just say, we want you to know in a practical way that Jesus loves you. We're out here serving our community. And we just want you to have this. When in that book, he shares some of the divine stories. And there happened to be, in the midst of all this, there was this young man. He was about 18 years old. He had come to faith in Christ. And his parents were not Christians. And he's sharing the, trying to share the gospel with them. And his dad is just resistant. His dad is like, I don't want any part of religion. His dad had been hurt you know, um, by the church. And he's like, you know, I know what that's like. I, I know what organized religion and organized all you know, that, That's just not, I don't, I've not had a good experience with that. And I don't want any part of it. And so one day, his dad is about to go out to the school. And they're having a the conversation about Christianity again. And his dad says this. His dad finally says, "You know what? As soon as somebody, as soon as one of these Christians shows up at my door and does something profitable, instead of just preaching at me all the time, maybe I'll start listening." At that moment, there's a knock at the door. He opens the door, and there are this team of young people, and they hand him a box of light bulbs. We're in the area. We just, it's a practical gift to let you know that God loves you. And uh, we're just around the area doing this and uh, from such and such a church. And God bless you today. This guy is struck. His wife had given him a list of things to pick up at the store. Number one on the list. What do you think of was? wife? a gallon of milk. No, I, 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 I'm just kidding. I did that on Wednesday night. It was, funny. Um, it was light bulb. It was light bulb. And this guy changed his life because of it. You just never know, listening to a gentle whisper of God and uh, one small act of obedience, how it can alter someone's life. It's a great story. And he's got a ton of those in that book, and it's just such a challenge. And it's not anything, you know, it's not these massive things that you just go around and love people and practice the James says this, um, it's not up there on the screen, but he said, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. We need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And so the third one, we're going to close with this. Act on his whisper. It's one thing to hear it, right? And it's another thing to act on it. As we walk with Him in a relationship, we begin to hear His whisper. We begin to discern what He's speaking. It, life can be an adventure when you're doing that. And where He's speaking, then we put actions to our faith. And James says, if you not really listen to the Word, and so the Jesus like do what it says. Don't just listen to the whisper. Do what He's asking you to do. And this is where we become living sermons every day, right? Living sermons. Being quick to listen. Intentional about our day. And if you are following Jesus, He will intentionally lead you and orchestrate your day if you Him. And as you're listening to Him, He will bring you into contact to be able to listen to others. So you hear His whisper, but then you listen to others as you are discerning. And you can hear the pain. You can hear the hurt of other people. Instead of always talking, start listening at your workplace. Start listening at your school. Start listening to your family and your friends and to those around you. Really listen to them. What is being said? What is being done? And so don't just hear it, but listen. And start looking for ways that we can be the message and make a difference. And that's how we act on the divine whisper. Another thing: this is this is enough much to me to sit anyone. I'll allow God to interrupt you. Don't we like a plan? I've got to do this. And I have missed, I, I, and I know I have missed out on so many opportunities that God has had for me That because I have this, my list of things that I need to get done. And I can go with the blinders on and I am just on a mission. And frankly, there's times when you just don't want to really talk anymore because you need to do this and this and this and this. Allow well, God to interrupt you if you're walking with God. And I'm not saying all interruptions are good. Let me just stop there. Don't, don't neglect other things. Not all interruptions are good, but all the God interruptions and be discerning and if you're listening to this whisper, listen to those divine interruptions. So we were, again, created to know God and make Him known. We have been radically rescued and redeemed through Jesus and His work on the cross. That is good news. And so he's, as He's rescued us, He's called us to be a part of rescuing others. To proclaim the gospel with our actions and our words. So let's look at this last um, passage here and then the action steps for the week. I love Ephesians 2. Again, because this is, I said this at the beginning, sometimes we, we, we are trying to get God to love us more. We're trying to earn it. And Paul writes this, he says, For it's by grace you been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. No, you cannot save yourself. You cannot be nice enough to save yourself. There's not enough good works that you can do in your life to save yourself. For grace, you've been saved. This is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So he's clearing this debate up. You cannot save yourself. You can't do enough good work so that you can boast about saving yourself. None of us are going to stand before Christ and say, look at what I did to get here to heaven. Look at how nice I was. Look at how good I was. Nice people and good people don't make it to heaven. Forgiven people make it to heaven. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be good enough but we have to get it in the right order. Because he clears the debate up in verses 8 and 9. It's by grace just faith and faith. It's a gift from God. You've got to receive the gift. It's not by works, but here's the thing. Then he goes into verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Okay? So he's saying, that doesn't neglect the fact that we need to, but do it out of loving God. Do it out of you. have received a wonderful, precious gift and salvation. Out of that place, do good works. You do the works that you were created. Again, a lot of people get, we put 10 before 8 and 9. We do good works so that we can be saved. And, and he says, you can't do it. You are safe through faith. You are safe through the work of Christ. It is a gift. And out of that place of loving him, saying, he, I understand this precious gift he's given in salvation. Now, I guess, I I want to love him, and I want to do good works that he's created for me to do. Because he says this, he prepared in advance for us to do, he created us, me and you, to be the message. He created us to go out and love and serve and and to do good works out of the place of salvation. So to understand that, he loves me, I love him, and I want to love others. So the after steps for this week, if you want to write these down, you can, but. I want to challenge us to live this out over this next week. I encourage you that as you do these after steps, if you have testimonies, um, call me, email me, let me tell me. I love to hear things. But number one is start each day intentionally asking God, what would you have me do today? Do to write my steps and help me to listen to your whisper. Begin your day that way. Intentionally do that. Asking God, what would you have me do today? To write my steps. tell me to listen to your whisper. And then the second one is be intentional about doing something practical for someone you regularly come across. Someone that is right in front of you. It can be your family. It can be somebody that you see regularly. Somebody that you have a burden for at the store. That you, there's that sense that when you see them, there's this kind of gnawing maybe in your heart. That's sometimes the Holy Spirit saying, pray for them. But the very least, pray for them. But ask your Lord. God, is there something that you would have me practically do for them? Drop them a, a, a note. Encourage them. Buy them something. I don't know, whatever it is, listen to this, but being intentional about doing something practical someone you regularly come across and you're burdened for You know who they are. I think God has probably put people in your mind right now. You know who those people are. Go out and do it. Let's stand. Enough talk, right?